0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to the Believe in Raiders podcast. The Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman. will be joined by former Raider great Stanford Route. Stan, I know you're doing great. and I don't think so much
0: for the Raiders right now. Uh, Yeah, definitely not after that performance on Sunday night. Uh, But like I said, it's a long season, so hopefully we can go ahead and somehow, some way right the ship and uh, get back on this winning track. All right, before we get to that, let's
1: get our promo read in right away, and then we'll get to a little game called Biggest Concern. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code believe for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Stan, let's start our game now. And I want to do uh, Raiders are one and two. As they get ready yeah. to uh, head to L.A., I guess their second home away from home, if you want to call, they'll be taking on the uh, L.A. Chargers this Sunday. So, Stan, let me ask you this. What is a bigger concern to you about the Raiders? Is it Jimmy G's six interceptions or the fact that Hunter Renfro has just three
0: receptions in three games? I would probably go with um, <clears throat> with Jimmy G's six interceptions because that's something that obviously we've never really seen much out of him being somebody who's interception prone or something like that. As far as Hunter Renfro, obviously two catches, only 17 yards, but that to me is more indicative of how Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers are getting the lion's share of all the passing targets per se. So that could just simply be that Hunter Renfro just simply may be in Josh McDaniel's doghouse. Maybe the side receiver is not being featured within this offense. I don't know. But I would say the Jimmy G six interceptions is more of a story than Hunter Renfro only having uh two catches and not being a big part of the offense. Well, Stan, I had a friend Bill who texted me. He's like,
1: DA, why is Hunter Renfro in the doghouse? I said, you know, I said, I don't know if he's in the doghouse. I just for whatever <clears> reason. <throat> I don't know if Jimmy G's not comfortable with him. If Jimmy G's first, and sometimes it seems like only uh, Reed is to Devonte Adams. Stan is it just a thing that Hunter's not connecting with Jimmy G, and he's
0: not connecting in this Josh McDaniels offense? A combination of both, one or the other? I just think it's probably just him, just simply not maybe being the the the, the focal read, maybe the main read. I mean, because it, I mean, we still go ahead and look. Obviously, Jimmy G threw three interceptions. There's no doubt about that. He got it. He can't do that, but. 324 passing yards, so obviously still being able to get some plays down the field. Obviously, we see a Devontae Adams, 13 catches, 172 yards, so it's not like the Raiders are out there having 150 passing yards total as a team. It's just simply not going to Hunter Renfro. It's going to Devontae Adams and a Jacoby Myers and even a even a little bit to a Josh Jacobs to a certain degree, so I, I attribute that more to a myriad of factors that leads into that and that's why I would like I said go with Jimmy G having six interceptions because I think Hunter Renfro not being a focal point is more about how surprising it is based on a couple of years ago how much he was a part of the past game versus what he is going versus um the uh, the the type of the production that he's having right now that's that that's how I look at it
1: all right, so we're recording this podcast on a Wednesday night right now. Jimmy G is in concussion protocol. Don't know if we're going to see him on Sunday. <clears throat> so stand that would either leave veteran quarterback Brian Hoyer or rookie quarterback Aiden O'Connell. Now, if you were the Raiders head coach and it came down to your decision, who would you start on Sunday if Jimmy G is unavailable? Now, it is a road it, it's technically a road game at uh, the Chargers, but we know it'll be a huge Raider contingency there on Sunday.
0: I would go with the young guy. I mean, obviously, we know Brian Horner is in this league. Obviously, he's a backup been a journeyman for a number of years. A very capable journeyman, a very capable backup. No doubt about that, so no disrespect to him. But just go with the young guy, and I say that because the Raiders right now are one and two. Nobody was expecting them to make a serious playoff push. They might be able to sneak in this year. Who knows? Cincinnati, Joe Burrow. He's been down. He's been going through his uh his cab injury. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is out for the rest of the season. So there may be some spots at six and seven that somebody can go ahead and kind of just sneak in the back door on maybe in late December, early January. But we didn't look at the Raiders coming into this season as being a contender for the AFC supremacy. So. You might as well go ahead and see what you have within the young guy the the contract that they signed Jimmy G to obviously wasn't something that was long term. So they're not thinking of Jimmy G as being the long term answer, because we all know that he has his injury concerns as he's in the concussion protocol right now as we speak. So I think that a situation like this, you want to see what you have in the young guy is cliche as that is to say. All right.
1: Just FYI, for the record. The most interceptions Jimmy G has thrown in a season is 13. All right, Stan, I want to compare now or talk about another big concern. That would be the Raiders' offensive line. Has it regressed or that Josh Jacobs barely has over
0: 100 yards rushing through the first three games? Uh, I feel like it's a little bit of both. I feel like the offensive line has regressed, and also I think that Josh Jacobs is still trying to get his feet up under him. And obviously we see that. He's coming into this situation. Obviously, his head is probably dealing with other things of – wanting the long-term contract that he did not get, knowing that he's playing on this one-year deal, wanting to make sure that he stays healthy, wanting to make sure that he's still able to produce. The offensive line taking a step back. Obviously, it seems like the Raiders are a little bit more pass-happy right now. Jimmy G had 44 uh, passing attempts. That's something that's not his usual norm, dating back to his days with New England or with San Francisco. I think that it's a myriad of things, but I would say, yes, the offensive line has definitely regressed. Stan, I agree with you because I think the offensive line
1: is playing into everything, not only Jacobs' lack of production, but I thought on Sunday night in particular, uh, Jimmy G just never looked comfortable in that pocket. One, the Steelers were getting a great pass rush, and then when he did have time, it seemed like he had happy feet, couldn't find somebody open, and a couple of those interceptions were like, Jimmy G, what, where are you throwing that ball? I mean, what, what, what are you seeing? And not only that game, but I think for the first, I'll say, Buffalo as well. I just don't think he's looked very comfortable in the pocket. And for whatever reason, this Raiders offensive line, they only made one change, Stan. They pretty much brought everybody back uh, Van Roten now is the starting right guard. So, you know, let's see moving forward if this offensive line can make some strides, get the running game going, get some better pass protection, whether for Jimmy G or whoever might be starting at quarterback on Sunday. All right, Stan, let's go over the other side of the football now. And let's talk about the defense. Bigger concern. They have just five sacks through the first three games, or this
0: defense has not created a turnover yet? I would probably go with not creating a turnover because five sacks in three games is still averaging one a game. Obviously, you're not the 85 Bears, for crying out loud, but you're still able to get after the quarterback to a certain degree, but not having any turnovers in three games, that's 12 quarters. That is 180 minutes of football. Not having any turnovers in that amount of time, that to me is more eye-raising. That to me is more alarming. That to me is more catastrophic than the Raiders only having five sacks. Well, last year they had 27
1: sacks and 13 turnovers. But Stan, let me ask you this. If they can get more pressure on the quarterback, and we saw it, you know, Sunday that I thought that times they put pressure on Kenny Pickett. Marcus Peters dropped the pick six. I mean, that was an easy walking touchdown if he could have caught that interception. But if the Raiders can generate a better pass rush, would that more than
0: likely lead to more t- turnovers? Do they go hand-in-hand? Hand? Absolutely, they go hand-in-hand. Hand. That can lead to more interceptions. That can lead to more tip passes that wind up being intercepted by the D-line. That can lead to more strip sack fumbles. That can lead to a myriad of, of of options in which to be able to take the ball away. So, obviously, it goes hand-in-hand. Hand, but, like I said, to your point or to your question, if i got to choose one, I'm going with the lack of interceptions, the lack of turnovers, or should I say takeaways this year, of having zero versus only having five sacks. Stan,
1: what's the easier one to turn around, putting more pressure and getting the sacks on a quarterback or creating
0: more turnovers? Oh, I would probably say the easier one is getting pressure on the quarterback because you can do that by blitzes. You can do that with sim- with running simulators or some sort of a zone blitz, trying to confuse the quarterback, things like that. There's a lot of exotic ways that you can create pressure. But to simply just go and tell your defense, hey – go out there and take the ball away, that's a little bit of like a vague statement. Okay, so what, I'm supposed to just run up to the running back and take the ball away from him like it's a loaf of bread? So it's not that simple, but being able to pressure the quarterback with a, with a, a certain pass rush, with certain blitzes, with certain packages and things like that, I'm not saying that's easy as well, but I would say that's easier than to simply tell somebody, go out there and take the ball away.
1: Well, nothing has come easy for the Raiders' first two picks uh, in the 2023 draft. So, Stan, what is the bigger concern? you got first-round pick Tyree Wilson, who's played in three games. He has a total of three tackles and no sacks. And the second-round pick, the tight end out of Notre Dame, Michael Mayer, has one reception for two yards and one successful two-point conversion, which happened on Sunday against the Steelers. So, Stan, what is the biggest concern of those
0: two? obviously, with uh, Tyree Wilson being a first round pick and him not having any sacks thus far early on in the season because he was a first rounder, because of the expectations that are placed on guys that are drafted as high as he was, that's going to be what's a bigger story. That's what people are going to be more salacious with what they're attacking or should I say what they're reporting on. But when you look at both of them and you compare them, Tyree Wilson to a Max Crosby, you compare the tight end to who? Darren Waller, who just got traded several months back, that's an unfair comparison because you're comparing both of those guys to two pro bowlers, to pro bowl level players, all pro, uh, if I might dare to say, Darren Waller has that level of ability. So I think that that's a step too far to automatically now casting aspersions. Like I said, we're only three games in and you can look at a number of players who have been Hall of Famers, who have been perennial pro bowlers, that their rookie season started off relatively slow. It takes time. So to me, which is a bigger story, I think that Tyree Wilson is going to be a bigger story just because he's a first-rounder. And you know, people in the media, fans, they love to dump on the first-rounder. The second, third, fourth-rounder, they can have a slow start. And people will give them a pass. Well, of course he's really not that good. That's why he was taken in the third round. Things like that. They'll make, they'll make excuses for him. But first-rounders, they expect you to hit the ground running the very first Sunday, opening day. And because of that, that's why Tyree Wilson is going to be the bigger story. Stan, I know you didn't play tight end and you didn't play defensive
1: end in the NFL, but you did play eight years. What do you think is the tougher transition to go from college to the pros as a edge edge pass rusher or a tight end?
0: Oh, I think both of them had their own certain level of difficulty. I would say for I would probably go with tight end will probably be more difficult as far as the transition, because I think as a tight end in college, there's very few people that can cover you if you're a good tight end in college. Very few people. But when you get to the NFL, you have packages like the big nickel where you may have a safety or a linebacker who simply is. Not pretty fleet of foot, not fleet of foot enough to cover a Justin Jefferson or Tariq Hill, but fleet of foot and mobile enough to be able to cover or should I say match up with a bigger tight end with the Travis Kelsey, with the Darren Waller, with the George Kittle and being able to diagnose what type of defense you're getting to be able to extrapolate what you're seeing pre-snap and then apply that. what's happening after the ball is snapped whether you're going to sit it down whether you're going to go ahead and try to take it down the field vertical and be able in nanoseconds to be able to go ahead and recognize that and then adapt and then on the move be able to ad-lib things like that i would say that's probably tougher than edge rusher because when you come into the league obviously you're going against all pro left tackles like trent williams (laughs) you're going against the big boys but there's not much that, from an X's and O standpoint, that's different. You just simply got to beat the man in front of you. So you got to have good technique, speed, to power, things like that. But the mental is probably the what separates the level of difficulty from tight end to edge rusher going to the NFL. All
1: right, Stan. Bigger concern: Josh McDaniels' play calling on offense or Patrick Graham's play calling on
0: defense? <laughs> I mean, can it be a wash? Can it, uh, can it be a tie? Oh, I would probably go ahead and say to me, oh, man. I, oh,
1: man. that. You want me to start? Yeah, yeah. You know what? You go ahead and start. <laughs> I would say Josh McDaniels, Dan, because I look at that offense. When the Raiders hired him, he was supposed to be this offensive genius. Coming over from New England, and he was going to solve all the Raiders' red zone issues and all this stuff with Derek Carr. You look at all the talent they have between Jacoby Myers, uh, Devontae Adams, beg your pardon, Josh Jacobs, and Jimmy G. You know, I still think he's a, you know, between 15 and 20, somewhere in that range of top quarterbacks. Stand there averaging 15 points a game. 15. And I look over on the other side of the ball and I'm like, okay, Patrick Graham, I still don't know what you really have to work with outside of Max Crosby in terms of playmakers, difference makers. And I just think it falls on the shoulders of Josh McDaniels, not only his offensive play calling, but his overall decision-making, which we can get into after you tell me which one you think is a bigger concern.
0: Oh, I mean, for one, I want to go ahead and say that I think both are a big concern. But if you're asking me which would I vote is a bigger concern, I would go ahead and go uh, and agree with you about Josh McDaniels. Because you have a Devontae Adams, because you have a Josh Jacobs, two guys that led the NFL in their respective positions last year, and to have an offense that's only averaging 15 points with somebody that is not someone new to you that is taking snaps from center and Jimmy G. You've been around him before your days back in New England. So it should be more of a seamless, it should be more of a seamless type of connection or understanding of what your quarterback has his skill set, what you're asking of him, and to be only producing 15 points a game, yeah, that's something that is definitely disheartening to go ahead and say the least as far as this offense is concerned. Yeah, and also his
1: overall, I think, decision-making right now, Stan, which I really questioned, and I even texted you Sunday night, the Raiders uh, late in the Uh ballgame. They're down one score. It's 23 to 15, fourth down. They're inside the Steelers' 10-yard line and Josh McDaniels, Decides to kick a field goal to make it a five point game. Uh-huh. I don't know, Stan. I, I don't know anyone who agreed with the decision to kick <laughs> a field goal because look at eight points that's a one score game, it's a touchdown and a two point uh-huh. conversion. <laughs> Stan, even if you don't get it, then you pin the Steelers back, in, you know, in the shadow of their own end zone. And I'll take my chances then. But if you're supposed to have all these weapons we were just talking about on offense, Adams, Jacobs. Man, roll the dice on fourth down and see what you come up with because I'm gonna, I'd am going to i rather depend on those guys than the Raiders' defense getting a stop, which they eventually did, but the Steelers did convert one first down by the time yeah. the Raiders got the ball back. What was there, 12 seconds left and 75
0: yards yeah. staring them right in the face of another loss? Absolutely. I think that uh, that's definitely something that uh, I would definitely agree with you on. I think that uh, kicking that field goal right there at that moment, I, I didn't really understand it either. Um, but like I said, he's the head coach. We're not. And it's definitely something that going forward, yeah, I hope that they make a different choice in that situation just to go and try to improve your chances of being able to win the game. I feel like that didn't um, that didn't bode well for the team.
1: All right. Speaking of the Raiders' defense, they're going to have their hands full on Sunday, Stan, going up against uh, Justin Herbert and the L.A. Chargers' offense. Yep. Stan, wh- where do you rank Justin right now in terms of quarterback top five? Where would he be in, in your ranking?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Pat Mahomes, yep. uh, Joe Burrow. Um, a lot of people put Josh Allen as number three. Uh, I could argue uh, that Josh Allen is in number three right now. Tua is definitely playing like he is a top five quarterback. Like he, an emphasis on the word "like," he's a top five quarterback. We got to see if he still stays healthy. I think Justin Herbert to me, I would put him above Lamar Jackson. I put him in front of a uh, of a Jalen Hurts. I would probably put Justin Herbert somewhere in that four to six range, depending on your opinion. Uh, some people can rank him as high as four. Some maybe as, as low as six. But I don't think that you can list six quarterbacks in the NFL without uh, listing Justin Herbert. Stan,
1: let me ask you this. I was watching, just flipping it around, watching different games. And after Patrick Mahomes, I'm like trying to think to myself, which quarterback these days is must see TV? Like it's appointment viewing. Like I don't want to miss this game because this guy is playing quarterback. How many can you really name right now that, Stan, you want to race home that and you want to see this TV. game? Yeah, must see TV because uh, I think it's a well, short for, list. Very for, yeah, short. For
0: me, I mean, for me, I've been around football my entire life. So me missing a game is not something that's the end of the world for me, like it maybe once was, once upon a time. But to your point, to your question, and I understand the context that you're putting it in, Uh, you got to add Lamar Jackson into must see TV. Uh, Jalen Hurts got to add him in there. Uh, Joe Burrow. I love watching him play. Pat Mahomes, clearly. Um, I would say that you got those four. Justin Herbert, big, strong arm. He's definitely in there as well. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody that just is uh, escaping my mind right now. Deshaun Watson, I like watching him play must-see TV. I'm not really sure about that yet because he's not the same quarterback he was when he was with the Texans, although maybe he's going to get a little bit better, or should I say get back to that form? I don't know. Um, and then I'll probably go ahead and stop there. That's probably the ones that I would say are must-see TV. And I think that fans need to also understand there's a difference between somebody being must-see TV and then, uh, and then being exactly one, two, three, four, five, or six. Like, I think that Justin Herbert is must-see TV as well, but if you're asking me to rank them, I would say Lamar Jackson because he's more electric in the things that he can do on the football field. I would put him above Justin Herbert as far as more must-see TV, but I think Justin Herbert's a better quarterback than him.
1: All right, final question. Need a prediction from you, my man. Raiders, Chargers, Sunday in L.A., SoFi Stadium.
0: Uh I I would probably go with uh twenty seven twenty one Chargers. That's what I'm thinking with my head, uh, with my heart. Hopefully that somehow, some way the Raiders can get out there with a victory. But if you're asking me right here, right now, I'd say twenty seven twenty one Chargers. Dan, I don't even know if it'll be
1: that close. Let me ask you this. I'm picking <laughs> the Chargers. I think it's twenty seven seventeen, somewhere along those lines. Through the first three games of the season, how much progress have you seen the Raiders compared to last year?
0: If any. I haven't seen any. Uh, okay. Obviously, they won the game uh, in week one against the Denver Broncos, but that's the Denver Broncos. So uh, I wouldn't say I've seen much progress at all out of this team in the first three games of the year. Yeah, I can't say I've seen any either, and that's why I'm going to go with the Chargers. Uh, I'll say
1: 27-17. Let's hope we're wrong. Let's hope Jimmy G is quarterback in this team on Sunday. Hope so. Let's hope Jimmy G looks more comfortable in the pocket. Let's hope Jimmy G spreads the wealth. Let's hope the Raiders defense can create some sacks and create some turnovers. Yes. And we'll see what happens on Sunday. They're five-and-a-half-point uh, underdogs right now, but that's what Jimmy G playing at that line will probably spike uh, if they announced he can't play. But as of right now, as I said earlier, we are recording this podcast on a Wednesday night. Right now, he is in concussion protocol, so we'll have to wait and see. All right, Raider Nation, that's going to do it for this edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by Bet Online. For my partner, Stanford Route, I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening. And may all your punts find the coffin corner. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for
0: B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.